Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Taylor, O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery and I'm delighted to be joined for our Champions Cup review by Luke Fitzgerald and Kean Tracy. And Luke, I'll give you a nice easy one to start off with. Why do you think Leinster didn't beat La Rochelle on Saturday? Well, I didn't think they played well. First of all, they looked a bit nervy. You know, that doesn't help. It's a good question. Well, I, think, like, I do think La Rochelle were excellent. Like, I think the physical side of things really told. I thought... Um, you know, I did think Wayne Barnes allowed them not to have Sarah Grapes, but I thought he was really poor, like to have 14 penalties without a without a yellow card. You know, just because all the offenses were different doesn't mean that you should let them away with that many. Uh, I thought that was a bit crazy, but um, they were still the better team. Like La Rochelle played better rugby, I thought. I thought they um, they spread Leinster a couple of times. Uh, you know, and they got to places that that stressed Leinster, like even the first try, you know, you, you, however good Ty Furlong is, and it was a mistake by Jimmy O'Brien um, to not trust him to um, with that tackle and, and bite in. Um, you still, it was that was Leinster's tight head there against, you know, a, a La Rochelle winger. So they did find those areas quite a lot. And I actually thought Gary Ringrose and, and Robbie Henshaw defended unbelievably well in the first half to contain them. Um, so it was a combination of, of both factors, really. And I do think that, yes, Wayne Barnes was, was really like, I mean, I couldn't believe some of the times they were grabbing Jameson Gibson Park at the at the elbow. I was just like, that's just always a penalty. Um, there was a, just a few mad bits at the breakdown, I thought. So I think Lancer probably have uh, there was a bit of justification maybe in their anger with, with, with Barnes on that, uh, although they rode their look at the end as well themselves. Um, but um, I think it was a combination of La Rochelle playing really well, um, you know, and I think Leinster pl- playing poorly and probably being forced to play poorly in a, in a, in a lot of circumstances. The, the line speed, how they, got, oh, how they got up outside Leinster's forward pod. So that has been working really well for Leinster. The, the forward pod has been pulling that ball back really far and it's been a really crisp pass to whoever it is, usually Johnny Sexton behind that they really closed that down very, very well. Now, I do think, uh, and there's probably a bigger conversation to have around the nerves on it, because I think this is really evident with Leinster. I didn't think that passing was as good uh, to Johnny Sexton, but I also thought that the backs looked like they crept up. Do you remember last week, Will, I was talking about that position that Leinster backs had found themselves in against that kind of press defense, that high press defense, where they had tucked themselves in 
and they were making it harder to get them. They're almost everyone's almost running on an arc, whereas traditionally speaking, you always wanted to be wider and squarer from the ball carrier. Uh, Leinster have kind of been following each other on a curve, really, and it makes it hard for people to get in at that. But they didn't do that well, and La Rochelle defended it well. Uh, and the combination, and, and sorry, the result of that was that Leinster did, were, were not able to get any momentum consistently throughout their attack, and they looked stagnant. They, you know, the passing was poor, um, and um, I think that that was the, there were a couple of reasons why uh, they didn't come out on top of the game. And I think it, one thing I would say is that some of the rhetoric has been pretty. Um, like I did think La Rochelle were better on the day, but like it still took them to the very bitter death of the game um, to go and, and get that win. Um, so I think Brian is a little bit harsh enough on, on Leinster. Like that's a really good La Rochelle team, obviously a brilliantly coached one too. Uh, and Leinster fall just short at the very end. Um, so still a valiant effort, even though they didn't play well. Yeah, there's a couple of things there that I definitely want to touch on. The, the, the kind of question about maybe the nervousness of the team in particular. But Keen, just first from your own perspective, I know you were there, one of the lucky people to be in Marseille. The atmosphere looked absolutely electric on TV for sure. Like anything else jumping out to you, you know, your initial thoughts or even having seen it back subsequently about why you think the result went the way it did? Uh, yeah, first of all, Will, it was one of those kind of, one of those days where you were just like privileged to, to kind of be there. Um, it was just an unbelievable occasion. The, I was there a couple of days before and just, you could just sense the atmosphere building and fair play to all the Leinster fans who managed to make it over because it was bloody expensive to get there. And yeah, like the La Rochelle fans, to be honest, just made it the occasion that it was like the color, the noise they brought. Um, it ended up being like, it felt like a home game for them. And there's no doubt that that, that had a huge advantage as well to them. But yeah, like, I, I think I would be more critical, I have to say, of, of Luke's, Luke's overall general tone. I thought this was a poor, poor defeat for Leinster um, for, for lots of different reasons. I think, I think a lot of the same issues that we've been talking about over the last year came to fruition again. I think they have spent the last 13 months coming up with a game plan to beat basically La Rochelle because they fell short last year. Everything was in their favour. In terms of you look at their injury profile, the amount of minutes they'd played, and you compare that to La Rochelle, who are missing arguably to their two of their best players, certainly in Carbarlo and Victor Vito. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was poor. I, I, I accept that they lost it in the last minute, but I thought La Rochelle were considerably better, I think, in most aspects of the game, probably except discipline, really. And even at that, they gave away one of the stupidest yellow cards you'll ever see. And I actually thought that La Rochelle stepped it up in that 10-minute period rather than Leinster kind of shutting them down. And that that's just not good. I think the scrum struggled again. Their, their line-up mall was actually good going forward, but the second try that La Rochelle scored, they got absolutely minced. And like that's not a good sign either. Um, I thought a lot of their big players drifted in and out of the game. I totally agree with Luke on the two centres. I thought them and Josh van der Freer were probably the three best Leinster players. But I just thought too many guys drifted in and out of the game. And you can't afford to do that in a Champions Cup final. And maybe we'll get on to talk about why that was. And maybe it was an element of, you know, nerves or whatever. But I think a lot of credit has to go to La Rochelle. Like Lou said, they're an awesome team. Um they did they like they brought the brutal physicality which we knew they do um but they played some brilliant rugby as well like that opening try was was class like it's the kind of try that you've kind of come to expect Leinster to score really and I think you know there was definitely a couple of decisions that they can feel hard done by I think the Mike Lalatoa turnover at the end game that was particularly harsh when he gave 
a penalty against that. But I don't know. I just don't know if I'd be going down the Wayne Barnes referee route. And I've seen a couple of people kind of suggest that. I think Leinster rode their luck, to be fair, Luke. You did say that in the end game. I think they were very lucky that they didn't get a yellow card with the amount of penalties they were coughing up as well. But like I said, I just think Leinster have had so long to prepare like this new game plan. And like La Rochelle, let's be fair, they didn't really do anything that Leinster wouldn't have been expecting. We knew they were going to come after them at the set piece. We knew the breakdown, they were going to slow it down and make it as messy as possible. And Leinster still couldn't find a way. And again, I accept that they it took them till the end of the game. But I think this is a poor, poor, poor defeat. And I think it's potentially very damaging. I think it's more damaging than the semi-final loss last year. And I suppose the the broader point is, I think all of the issues that we're talking about are Ireland's issues going to New Zealand this summer and beyond into next year, which is obviously a massive year. So, yeah, I would be more, I think, critical of the of the defeat, to be honest. One moment that really summed up the, the difficulties Leinster were having for me was just before half time when they got that scrum against the head and they were able to work their way all the way down to the other end of the pitch and they got the five meter scrum after the Jimmy O'Brien kick and they got a free kick off that scrum and did a quick you know a quick tap and you know went up towards the line and then they went they went to go out the back and the passing just wasn't crisp it was further on to give some pack to Sexton and they ended up going from like five meters out to about 20 meters back and it just kind of it kind of summed up just that lack of crispness that kind of the execution that was off and I I, I take points that you're both saying like there's a, there's a lot of things to unpack but I just thought the execution was just really poor on the day and even some of the game management elements of it like that third quarter where they were 18-10 ahead like that kind of lead in the final with that kind of time on the clock you're in a really strong position like Leinster had the ball in the and the half, yellow card even... as well will like I mean they, they, yeah. look they'll be they'll be absolutely gutted like they'll be that that one will really really hurt um I can, I actually can completely like I when Keen's talking through it there like I I'm finding it hard to kind of to kind of pick things against them. The, the one thing I would say is I think you're completely wrong on the Wayne Barnes thing. You know, that accumulation of penalties is just it's just wrong. Uh no matter if they're you know for lots of different things, you know, uh, it was it was a crazy amount of penalties. 14 penalties and 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 like they were kind of they were in cynical spots too, like a good few of them as well. And I actually thought he let them away with a bit too. So I thought that was one area. As you say, though, and this is the key point in, in, in kind of crit- criticizing that. Um, like La Rochelle were on top anyway, I think. That, that, and that's the key point. Like, I think if you, if you look at it, they had the better opportunities. They look more dangerous with ball in hand. They were able to stifle Leinster and make Leinster who have looked really really crisp with ball in hand like i've been so impressed with their ball handling ability they made the, like they were they slowed it down whether whether it was right or wrong like you still have to ride you still, like there's still an element of rugby where it's so technical and difficult to referee like you can nearly watch every single breakdown and see a penalty but you still have to play the referee to a certain extent and i thought they did that well as well you know what i mean like like whether i think it's right or wrong and i think it was definitely wrong in my opinion um that there was that amount of penalties they did it. They managed it really well. Like they were like, that's the stuff about James. Jameson gives a park. Look, I, I thought he had a really, really, really difficult day and he didn't think he played well anyway, but he had a difficult day. Like they were scragging him. They were at his back arm uh, when he was passing, you know, the rooks were like half a second slower. So everything looked like, you know, all these times that they've been playing, like Leinster's rook ball has been unbelievably quick and, and clean. And he's looked brilliant. Like he, like, cause the game has been so quick. 
and Leinster look like they have an extra half a second on the ball, like everyone. And all of a sudden, you know, when you don't have those things, I think that's when you get a back shoulder pass. That's when, you know, when, when, when one back shoulder pass happens, then someone who's been expecting everything, like everything for them has been running really cleanly all year. All of a sudden, you got to check your run, and you're saying, "Wow, this is actually kind of this is going to trick. We've got no momentum going into this contact with a guy who might be five or ten kilos heavier than you." They're all problems, and it means that they couldn't really move that La Rochelle pack around and expose some of those big men for long periods of time, um, which was always going to be a key factor in this game. For we, I, I think everyone's view on this was that if Leinster played their game, that they and 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 what you know the game they have been playing, that there'd be periods where the ball wasn't played for long periods of time. And that was always going to be, you know, to Leinster's advantage with guys who were just a little bit lighter, probably a little bit fitter. Um, and it, that's not the way it panned out. It panned out. It was kind of slower. There was lots of penalties. Leinster didn't get to do, like, they didn't kick to the corner and go through 30 phases on their line and eventually break them down with a try. They didn't do any of those things. Um, and, and I think that's broken other teams. That, that didn't break La Rochelle. And um, there was a, I think there was two sides to that. I thought La Rochelle were brilliant, but I thought Leinster looked nervy. And I think it was... You know, probably, you know, as a result of some really good La Rochelle and some very cute La Rochelle play. So um, that's probably one thing I would say. Just, and I actually agreed with like lots of what Keen said, as I said. But I just think the, the Barnes thing, are you counting up these penalties? Like you've given like three or four warnings here. Yes, they're for different penalties, but shouldn't matter at this point. A penalty is a penalty at this point. And that was very frustrating to, to watch. The only, thing, the only thing I'd say against that is, and this is to play totally dead advocate, by the way, like the French fans were incensed with Barnes, even when they won at full time, you know, the refs go up and they get their medal. I don't know, was this shown on TV? The ref and the, 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 the assistants go up and get their medals. Like he got booed out of town. So I think the French fans would like, even though they won, would say that he, you know, he didn't do them any favors really either. And I do know what you're saying. The cumulative penalties, perhaps he should have given a yellow card and it would have stopped him doing it. But do, I do you think Ar- the complexion of the game changes though, Keen, if there's, if there's, if La Rochelle get like, say a yellow card earlier, if Leinster go for a try and get one, like these are all ifs and buts, mm-hmm. but I would imagine that there was periods where Leinster were actually making some progress and it was stopped, killed pretty early by a La Rochelle penalty. And that happened quite a lot. Now, Leinster pinged them over. They got the threes, you know, uh, but if there was a yellow card, they might have gone to the corner. Um, yeah, and, and I just Luke, just, those, Luke, just to come in on that one to ask you, because, like, you know, one thing that ha- people have obviously pointed to, like, Leinster kicked seven penalties. Very unusual for them to not go to the corner more. They went early on and, and didn't get uh, over the try line. I'm not sure if that played any bearing. Some of them were like straight dead in front in that kind of gray area where you're not like really near to maybe take a scrum, but like, did, were you looking in real time thinking, oh, maybe go to the corner here, take a scrum there? Or did you back those calls when they were being made? At the time, I, I felt there was a few where I was saying, like, Leinster normally go for these ones. Um, but I didn't feel like they were on top. And clearly they didn't either. Um, and I thought I felt like they thought that it would happen, but that while they were there, they weren't feeling it. And they said, you know what, let's build a score in a final. I thought maybe mm, it might be worth going to the corner here. They might have them on... They looked like they were making good progress and another penalty actually might have might have got them that yellow card. Do you know when you back up and because it wasn't one after another, do you know when you get those ones where it's like two, two, like Leinster at the end of the game, for example, there was like a penalty after a penalty after a penalty in a row for the same kind of stuff, which I thought they absolutely should have got a yellow card for. That never really happened with La Rochelle. Now, my argument was that there was loads of them and just because it didn't happen consecutively, like straight after each other, it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be a yellow card. But that's more often how they happen because the referees don't want to give a yellow card in a final. It took a really silly play for, for Wayne Barnes to give one. In a match that it was kind of stop-starty for, for a lot of it with lots of penalties. So 
but that was my my thinking on it. I was thinking, mm, normally they would, even if they don't get some, they might just, you know, in their own mind, it's a momentum thing too. You know, when the referee sees you going to the corner, they're kind of going, mm, this team, they think they're on top here. Do, do you know that kind of way? I, I, like any, everyone watches it thinking going, well, Leinster obviously think they're going to get a trier because they think they're better. They never really thought that. They obviously thought it was closer matched than, than um, and they weren't as confident as they, as they usually are. And I felt like that was a reason, one of the reasons why they maybe didn't get a yellow card, even if I thought that was wrong, that they didn't. I think that's, yeah. I think that's the, the really important point. And I, like one thing I would say about this, Will and Luke, is that I think like one of the reasons it's become, because I was certainly writing about it in, in Monday's newspaper, it's become such a topic. Obviously that they lost, you're, of course, you're going to scrutinize every decision. But in the press conference afterwards, Johnny Sexton brought this up on his own. No one asked him directly about, you know, kicking the points, going for, not going for the corner. He brought it up in the immediate aftermath of the game. So to me, that screamed that, that, that those thoughts were in his head. Oh God, could we have been a bit braver? And I think Luke has hit the nail on the head there. They like, and you mentioned it too, Will. Like Leinster in Ireland over the last couple of years, and I, we've actually had chats about this because Luke, you, you, I know you're one for kind of you're kind of like, oh, you know, maybe take the points, aren't you? Generally, like, well, international rugby, yeah. I always think take the points. So yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of thinking you might have fallen on on that side, but it was very interesting that the first penalty Leinster got, it was kickable, but it was from the left. Okay, it wasn't straight in front of the post, but they went to the corner, so they were clearly going, okay, you know, let's go at them. And I thought I was going, okay, they're setting out their stall here, and they actually ran a really slick lineup move, one of the few moves that they actually got to, to, to pull off properly. Um, but La Rochelle ended up turning it over and they don't get a try. And from there on in, they took their points every time. Now, there's something changed, something changed within that. And I feel like La Rochelle were happy to concede the points in front of the post because they knew Leinster, like you said, Luke, they weren't feeling it. And I think the psychological advantage that La Rochelle got from that was enormous because their pack was going, I could imagine after every break of play when they're under the post lining up for a penalty, they were going, lads, they don't want to take us on here. They're happy to take the points. They don't want to take us on. And to me, that was a big, big error by Leinster. I'm not for a second saying every penalty you get kicking into the corner, but I think the ones before and after halftime, the one after halftime was particularly... The one after halftime, I think that was the one yeah, that I yeah, got 100%. Yeah, I think but, everyone but, was thinking that. That's, did you guys... They, I think everyone thought that's, that's out of character. Did yeah. you lads notice fair, though, um, some of them? Some of the penalties were like extremely straightforward on the 22. Like, so you can almost... Yeah, like it's like almost like, are you going to be getting a five meter line out here? You probably, you, you probably don't want. To. You probably, you're probably getting a ten meter line out for, yeah, uh, like nearly a ninety nine percent, you know, kick for for your goal kicker. If not, if not close to hundred, no, as close yeah. to hundred as possible. They were gimmies, you know. So you're kind of saying, ah, oh. and like you can't go to a scrum. <laughs> That's one thing we we can't we can't forget that that would make you nervous. Like any mistake you make. You're going to a scrum, like, and you're kind of thinking, "Oh Jesus, like this is not." And in fairness, I, like, I, I will say one thing: that pack is gigantic. Like, I actually don't think there's a pack as big. Maybe the South African pack when they're all piled in there together, but there isn't. Like, I mean, the French pack. Sorry, the French pack is very similar, uh, but I don't see like New Zealand won't cause. They won't have the same kind of size that that uh, France have or South Africa have. And I even think France might even be bigger than South Africa. Like it, it's ridiculous. And that La Rochelle, La Rochelle pack is is very similar. You know, we were at the captain's run. Just a quick point on that on Fridays, and we were actually pitch side and. The French teams are just so laid back. It's very different to like, you know, what we're used to over here. Everything is like, oh yeah, come on in. You can watch what you like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And 
uh, Skelton and Rooney Antonio walked out onto the pitch and we were like really close. And like, honestly, it's only when you see them because you don't get to see that if you're at a match up in the stand, but see them on pitch level, they are enormous. Jonathan Daunty, the same. But I think we should talk about the that penalty after halftime a little bit more because I thought it was really interesting watching it back. We didn't have ref mics um, at the game, so I missed it at the time. So to me, it looked like the pack were kind of huddled together, ready themselves to, okay, let's go. You know, now is the time to, you know, put the foot in the throat. But James Ryan was the one who went up to Wayne Barnes and said post. And Wayne Barnes, because you can hear it on TV, watching goes back, Johnny says, goes, yeah, he goes, you're not the captain. It's Johnny. And Johnny then came along and said post as well. So I thought it was fascinating that James Ryan was the one kind of stepping up there and making a decision. And we all know what happened in the, it was at the Six Nations. Yeah. When James Ryan, you know, didn't quite go for the corner during the Six Nations. So, yeah, like I, I thought that was a big like a big error. And I didn't think I. I don't think it's a hindsight thing either. At the time, I was kind of thinking, you know, you have the momentum. And like I said, the psychological advantages that La Rochelle were getting out of Leinster taking the three points, because, you know, we're talking about the scrum. Like you think back to La Rochelle went for a scrum, like on the 22, down to 14 players. Now, albeit they had brought on Botia, who basically played in the back row, not just on the scrum, but he was he was pretty much playing as another back row. But they had full belief in their ability to score tries. They scored three tries to none. And my sort of overall take is any team who keeps this Leinster team trialists are worthy champions. They'd scored 47 tries in their seven games en route to the final and then didn't score any when it mattered most. And I think that will sting for a long time. Do you know as well what I thought? I thought the centre partnership was really good. Dante was unbelievable. Yeah, he's class. Um, like, and, and, you know, Leinster, I feel like, like, when I look at Lancer, I think they're those two guys in the center are so good and they play together so much too often. Like for Ireland, they play against brilliant opposition all the time. Um, and I always think that's a real point of difference for, for Lancer. I actually thought that was an area where like it was kind there was kind of parody there. If not, the others were on top. Uh, the La Rochelle guys were on top. So that was an interesting one as well, because I think like Leinster have always, they just seem to be able to get momentum through those guys like nonstop. And they're usually like a closed book in terms of their own defense. Like they're just locked down, uh, really difficult to break down. Um, you know, and look, I thought the guys to like three tries and it feels weird to say, it, cause usually your centers are kind of the key guys. Um, but I thought they defended unbelievably well at times. Like they were the last ditch tackle. I don't know how many times Robbie Henshaw and Gary Ringrose. I thought they defended out of their skins, which which tells you how well, you know, how exposed that the the Leinster team were at times. I I thought that was my impression watching it. I was going, Jesus, that was a brilliant. Like that was a one on one in a lot of space. Gary Ringrose absolutely nailed that, or Robbie Henshaw nailed that. I felt that on so many occasions. Um, so I did feel like they were under stress a lot. So it was brilliant La Rochelle attack. And and one thing I would say as well. Uh, or sorry, another thing I'd say about finals is you have to defend brilliantly to win. I, I just feel like that's a baseline. And I, I said that about Leinster last week, Will. Remember I was talking about them having to defend and stop the momentum of, of the big La Rochelle carriers. I actually thought they did that okay. What actually really let them down was, was out wide. I thought they defended really bad out wide. I thought um, there's loads of time, like even for even the first try, like oh, I still think you have to get you have to get him there. Like that was a poor like to be to, to let him come inside you, not use the touchline as your way as, as your as your defense. Um, and look, you can see why I could see why Jimmy O'Brien did bite in and help out Ty Furlong. It's a mistake because Ty Furlong actually had him easily covered. Um, 
and he's just a bit of a freak athlete. But I could see why you do that with your tight head prop against a winger. You would you'd be inclined to help him out. But Hugo Keenan has to use the touchline as his, as his extra defender there. That's a really basic concept to let him just run inside. It was a good step. But that was a bad try to concede, you know, and those kind of things take the wind out of your sails in the final. So you do have to defend brilliantly no matter who you're playing against. You're, like you're going to be playing against a good team in the final. And I always feel like that's a baseline um, and sets the tone for the rest of your game. And, and Lenser didn't defend well out wide. So that was, that, that, you know, you do need to do that well against every team in the final. Keen, another significant part of the game for me anyway was the bench and how Leinster used it and the impact they did or did not get off it. Like, you know, Luke mentioned earlier, a difficult day for Jameson Gibson Park. Like, you have Luke McGrath on the bench, very experienced scrum half who's played in a lot of big games himself. I think he only came on with five or six minutes to go. I'm not sure if he even got to throw a pass. Even someone like Joe McCarthy, who I know is really young, but has been playing really well the last couple of weeks, had a huge game against Munster the weekend before. He only got five minutes in a game where you thought he might be able to give a bit of impact. Kieran Frawley didn't even get off the bench. And then you're kind of wondering... What was the point in having him there if you weren't even going to use him? You had someone like maybe Jordan Lammer who came into a great bit of form last week again too. Yeah, What did you make of how it was used and that, kind of some of the points there? I couldn't agree with you more, Will. I was writing about this pretty much almost word for word in, in terms of what you're saying. Kieran Frawley wasn't used for the second year in a row against La Rochelle in two defeats. Like It's become a bit of a cliche, but like your bench is so important now more than ever in rugby. And I just think like the the bench, the use of the bench was really, really poor. And, you know, we spend a lot of time lauding Leinster's strength and depth, rightfully so. They've used 60 players this season, but when they needed their strength and depth, and let's, let's remember that they don't have too many injuries or not too many guys missing who would have been there. It let them down. I thought badly. I thought, you know, you can sense that when, the replacement props are coming off the bench. Like teams are targeting the Ireland and Leinster scrum. It's so obvious now, but even when the two replacement props came off the bench, they just really went after them. I couldn't agree with you more. To me, they picked the bench. Like Reese Ruddock made 15 tackles in the 13 minutes that he was on the pitch, like just ridiculous numbers. But to me, they had picked a bench to see out the game because I think if they were picking a bench to chase the game, you probably would have had Ryan Baird and Jordan Larmer, like you said, on it. So You'd probably say they they picked the right bench because they needed guys to see out the game, but they just couldn't do it. And isn't uh, granted like a lot of the sixty are really young guys, but look at the impact that the La Rochelle bench made. I mentioned Bottier already. I thought he was unbelievable in those closing stages, and obviously Retier came off the bench and and scored the try. So uh, I thought it was a big, big, big issue. I didn't think they got any impact really at all from their bench. Obviously Dan Sheehan came on much earlier than would expect it. And that was costly as well. You know, like the same thing happened in Paris for Ireland during the Six Nations with Ronan Keller getting injured. But I think it's an issue. And even like, if we're looking kind of further ahead, so like, you know, they're going to bring in Jason Jenkins next season and Charlie Natoy. He's not going to start ahead of Robbie Henshaw or Gary Ringrose. Now he could come off the bench and, you know, Jason Jenkins, you know, could he could play with, with James Ryan, but like you said, Will, Joe McCarthy is having a great season and looks like a serious, serious athlete. So, um, but so is Ryan Baird. Like, uh, uh, to me, like have, not having him on the bench against that pack seemed like a, but did you think that was a mistake? Like, is that, is that, if you look at the, the Leinster, if you look at Leinster and, you, and you're kind of looking at, and you're kind of thinking to yourself, well, like, what's the big danger here? Um, when you look at the bench, when, you, when you're playing La Rochelle, the danger was always going to be that you got overwhelmed in the pack, that you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, they, they bullied you around in the tight exchanges and you didn't, you know, you ran out of juice with kind of 50 or 60 minutes to go because the weight of just that, like trying to deal with them in the scrum and the mall, et cetera. 
I need to have a Baird, you know, um, you know, and a Ruddock there as well. Like, have, just have some serious juice coming onto the pitch uh, at the end. Like, maybe it wouldn't have made a difference, but do you think, do you look back and go, see the way Toulouse against um, Munster had a six, six man, six forwards on the bench, six two mm. split. To my mind, that was one of the only occasions where you're kind of saying to yourself, do you know what? We actually have, like, like Jordan Larmer could pretty much play across the back line. Um, you know, is there is there anything like is there a way you could like should they be having a six a six two split? Is that a way to say to yourself, right? No matter what happens at 60, 65 minutes, we're going to unload these guys onto the pitch. They're all brilliant athletes. Um, I is, asked, is that something that they should be thinking of? Would that help? Or I asked Leo Cullen that exact question in the build up to the semi final against Toulouse. You know, Toulouse were always going to go with the six two split. They did it against Munster, and I asked him. You know, now obviously he made the right decision because they blew them out the gate. But I asked him, you know, is there ever a temptation to kind of just go like for like against these big teams when you know what's coming off the bench? And I like I'm paraphrasing here, but I think Leinster saw it as their point of difference that they had the extra back and it, it played into how they wanted to play the high tempo and stuff. But it didn't work out this time. And you know, you're mentioning Ryan Baird and stuff, yeah, but. Will is right on what he's saying. Like Joe McCarthy has been really, really good this season. And granted, he's young and he's inexperienced, but he's a big, big lad and he's physical, he's aggressive. But they clearly didn't, I don't want to say didn't trust him because they had him on the bench, but to bring him on for a couple of minutes at the end of a game where like the amount of work that uh, Ross Maloney and James Ryan got through, like against up against Skelton, who was awesome, by the way, like to put in that kind of shift after having a calf injury and not really playing. So sorry, Keen, I, I would have been thinking about having Joe, uh, Joe McCarthy and um, and Baird on the bench th- together. So that was with Ruddock is, and not having Ruddock, is it? No, have Ruddock too. That's oh, what so I'm saying. You, so you're have, like, so you you're saying go to six juice coming on. That's that's kind of what I'm getting at is that you like they're all if you look at those three people, those three guys, they're not unbelievably like Ruddock's a heavy guy. Like he's, you know, in the 115s kilo, he's a serious athlete now, but the others are kind of, they're probably a little bit light still maybe, uh, but serious athletes, like really kind of strong and powerful and quick. Like they don't take anything away from you as well. And like, if you're playing a fast game, like you're, you're probably like the key difference for Leinster is actually that their pack are very quick and have great ball handling. Not necessarily that they have more backs on the pitch. It's, it's just an interesting one, isn't it? Like, would, would, would that be something that might be a solution or? It could be, but because like it was, we can say with like full confidence now, it was a total waste having Kieran Frawley on the bench because they didn't even look to use him. So, like, I just I find it baffling in this day and age that the way professional modern rugby is that you would waste a subs because that's what it was. It was like having a guy ready to go on the bench and not using him to me is just it, it doesn't really make sense. So, and they did the same thing last year when they played La Rochelle. Kieran Frawley didn't get off the bench either. So, like, I think it's a big issue. And, you know, when Johnny Sexton went off and Ross Byrne came on, he made a lot of errors. And unfortunately, I think we saw why he's not in the sort of the Ireland conversation. He just, he, he seemed to really freeze. Obviously, he kicked a good goal, but had a couple of really sloppy knock-ons. They just didn't get going. So I, I agree with you, Will, about your original point. I thought the, the use, but also the Im- impact of the bench, the li- like what little time they got, I think was really poor and costly. Yeah, because if you even look at how the game unfolded, it was 18-10 after about 56, 57 minutes. That's when you'd be hoping a bench could come on and, you know, as you say, see it through or give that little bit of impact that could get them to the end. Because as you mentioned there, you know, Ross Byrne came on, made a couple of errors. Even like that moment when Brees Dulan had that drop goal and... Johnny Sexton fielded the ball in his own line to go for a dummy kick on your own line with an eight-point lead. And then they kind of get out of jail. He gets the ball to Hugo Keenan. And instead of kicking it away himself, he takes it into contact. And I just felt maybe to the nervousness that, Luke, you referred to at the start. Like, I thought 
there was a couple of moments like that in the last 15, 20, like Gibson Park had a very sloppy high tackle as well, the little knock-ons from Ross Byrne. But even that the kind Jimmy of O'Brien between... one, the, the Jimmy O'Brien touch yeah. into like that was yeah. a moment, that was a huge moment. Like that was a ma- like that was mm. really now it was kind of unlucky, and I can see why you'd be like, Oh, just get the feckin' thing out. Like you just like, you don't want a Rob Howley kind of moment in the final. Um, but I don't know, it just feels like they're also Lens- on, on Leinster, like, aren't they? Every single thing that Will has listed out and you mentioned in Jimmy O'Brien, like, these are not mistakes you, you associate with a Leinster team. I think so. Like, and I, look, you have to give credit to, to La Rochelle as well. Like, I, I look, at the same time, we do one, of course, we're looking internally, we're kind of saying, like, this is the bulk of the Irish team as well. Uh, you know, and this, is a, this seems to be kind of a recurring problem is that, you know, don't seem to be able to deal uh, or, or at least, like, deal is probably the wrong word. We don't seem to be able to impose against these teams our game plan on them. Now, I think that the Toulouse one, look, I don't think they're the team that they were, but also they would have been knackered from the week before. So I'm not even sure we got to see them at their best and really see if we can impose our game plan against them in top form. Um, but like, that's what you're always hoping. You're hoping that they say, right, well, look, we're not going to be able to do those things against them. We're going to survive or try to survive in the scrum and, and the mall. But for the rest of the game, and this is what we talked about last week, Will, the rest of the game, there's, gonna, there's a lot of that. There is a lot of that. We're going to hold on to the ball for long periods. We're going to run you around really quickly. Uh, we're going to test those big 140, 150 kilo guys and see if they can last the pace with us for, you know, you know, 35, 45 minutes, uh, you know, that kind of range of time. See if they can live with us. No one else has been able to do it so far. But we haven't been able to impose that game plan in the big matches so far. And it's that, that's, the, that's the next hurdle for, for Leinster and for the Irish team. And I think you're completely right to mention the, the point about the bench. Um, and that's something that the coaches will have to have a look and say, do you know what? Do we need to have a rethink of that? Because you're right. You need to have, it's 23 guys now. You need to have, and they do have good players. You know, you could leave Frawley, you could have Frawley and Luke McGrath on there as your two specialists and they could cover nearly everything there. And like, look, Frawley, like, if this, if there ever was a time for him to have a think about what's going on, like I've been, oh, you know me, like I'm banging this drum for ages, and I feel so tired of saying it, but like he's a serious, serious rugby player, and he's sitting on the bench in all the big games. Like he's too good to be sitting on the bench for the big games for the whole lot of it. He adds value, but um, sorry, I know I digress him, but it's it is funny. It's it's something the coaches will definitely have to think about in terms of the bench, and, and because you need to have people adding value there and, and giving you that extra bit of impetus to close out a game. Yeah, just to give like La Rochelle some due, obviously, like we're going to be focusing from an Irish perspective. It's an Irish podcast, but you know, Will Skelton got it through 80 minutes. Uh, you know, he was absolutely unbelievable. And even in the end game and that long period of possession, it was actually him. It was some of his big kind of pick and goes that were actually driving them towards the line. I think just before Retarier squeezed over, he had a really big carry. I thought he was absolutely unbelievable. Like, the definition, so good- the de- definition of a big game player in every sense yeah. of the word. And to give Ihio West his due, yeah. but he ever got all the Lester, kicks. Goal kicking, got all the kicks. Only against Leinster is his goal kicking like yeah. kind of really holding in on it. Like every other time I see him play, he probably misses two, uh, two or three gimmies. But you know, he, he really stood up. You know, uh, I can't remember the name of the young scrum half who came in for Kerbalo, but he had a very accomplished. Thomas Bergeon. Yeah, Bergeon. Considering the pressure he was under to step in for a big All Black, like he, he played great too, and. Then, you know, Ron O'Gara Keane as well. Like, you know, obviously we were joking a few weeks ago that, you know, we were saying it'll be the Rod show now for the next few weeks. But now he's gone on, what an achievement. Like, to not only win the Champions Cup, but to beat Leinster and to beat a Leinster team who were coming in with such high hopes. Like, what does this mean for his career? Every time you get a chance to, like, listen to Ron O'Gara, I, I made this point, I think, when we were having our chat about the final. He's very, like, 
Stuart Lancaster. Just like everything he says is interesting. Like he's so engaging and yeah, like it added from from a journal, an Irish journalist point of view, it, it added such a brilliant kind of you know subplot to the whole thing because like if Leinster had lost to Toulouse in the final last weekend, it like it wouldn't have been as much, but. The fact you had Ron O'Gara, Donica Ryan, like had a really big role to play in that as well. And I, you know, Sean Dougal, the former Munster backrow, is, is working as an SC coach as well. So the amount of Irish interest obviously made it more fascinating. But I thought it was just a brilliant coaching display, I have to say, from, from Ron O'Gara. And that's the, the job he's done. I ended up um, having a chat with the, the sporting director of La Rochelle um, after the game. And, you know, he was just telling me about the the impact that O'Gara has made since he's come there. They're so, so impressed with him, um, the players. And even like he's speaking from his point of view at board level, um, seemingly like on the Friday, he gave um, a team talk that had kind of like removed the emotion from the occasion. And he actually just like put up a load of stats on a PowerPoint to show, you know, why Lens or why La Rochelle were a better team than Leinster and why La Rochelle were going to outscore them in the last 20 minutes. And everything he kind of had said came to fruition. Even in the day before the game, he was telling us he truly believed that there was something special happening tomorrow. And like you can kind of like pass those kind of comments off as of course the head coach is going to say it, but he was really confident. He was really confident. Everyone wrote them off, myself included. Um, but the job he's done there is just fantastic. Um you see the scenes in down at the port in La Rochelle. It, like it reminded me of the the day the days when Munster were winning Heineken Cups and like O'Connell Street Limerick was packed out. And I don't think you can underestimate the. It's not all all down to Ron O'Gara. I'm not saying that for a second, but it's not easy to go into a French club and change the culture and say you know the Champions Cup matters. Like because historically, like Toulouse are the one club you'd say you know because it's ingrained in their culture, but. La Rochelle don't have a history in the Champions Cup. So it's not easy to go into, you know, a board and go, we need to treat the top 14 um, and the, the Heineken Cup with, with as much respect as each other. So he's managed to do that in his first head, his first season as head coach. He's managed to win a Champions Cup. So, um, yeah, I, I just thought it was it was brilliant, to be honest with you. Um like he was just so engaging across the few days we got to speak to him really, really gracious. You'd have to say in defeat as well. There was no kind of like rubbing it in faces or anything. And yeah, his stock is, his stock is just rising and rising, but I don't think he'd be in a rush to, to get out of there. I think he truly believes this. He sees this as a project and, you know, they've won the champions cup. I think that could be a starting point as opposed to an end point. And yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what he does over the next couple of years, particularly post world cup, I think, because, that's when, you know, there's going to be a bit of movement in terms of coaches and stuff. And there's no doubt that certain countries are going to be throwing a lot of cash at him to try and get them there, I'd imagine. Yeah, look, like it's such a good achievement to win. You know, La Rochelle, you look at like Rassic 92, have never won it. They've lost in three finals. Claremont never won it. They lost in three finals. The only French teams to have won it, Toulouse, the big behemoth, Toulon, who had all these Galacticos, and then Brieve in 1997 when it was very much in its infancy. Even for these big French clubs, Biarritz, Stade Francais, who got to a number of finals, they could never get over the line. And now Ron Nogara has done this with a team from, I think, 75,000 is, is the uh, population there. You saw the scenes. It was unbelievable. It just, I don't know. I think it's an even bigger achievement than maybe had he gone to Rassic 92, say, or Claremont, where they were kind of already big projects. Like, it feels like, I know John O'Gibbs was there last year, but he's had such a big hand in this. Oh, look, he's been unbelievable, you know. Um, and I think... Um... 
like it's just so impressive, isn't it? Like I, it's funny watching him now. Like I think the, what what will be interesting to see is if he goes on to have a bigger, like a more successful coaching career than his playing career. Like obviously, like littered with success in his in his playing career, um, and like God, he's so likable, isn't he? Like even when he's being an asshole, he's really likable. <laughs> I just I always just thought I was such he was a guy I just so looked up to, um, and um. Yeah, I just love I love playing with him, and I just am so happy that things are going so well for him in the coaching. And I think, um, you know, when you know him a little bit personally, it doesn't really surprise you. Like he was always a kind of deep thinker, and he had great belief in himself. And he's a smart guy too. Like that, all those things kind of help, you know. And he he can I'm sure he can deliver a brilliant message. And I'm not surprised that he was able to pick out a few. Like do you know, what's really important sometimes. It's not always that you pick out loads of data, but it's quite when you're looking at the data, can you get the big picture? And it sounds like he gets that. He goes, he can kind of see past all of the, you know, the rook stats and the tackle stats. He goes, well, look, that's what, what's what's important over the course of the season. Like, well, we know we're great in this period of the game. They're great in this period of the game. But if we're close, we know, like, I'm really confident that we can go ahead and win this thing. Um, you know, and, and so he's he's obviously a big picture guy when it comes to his coaching as well. So, um, yeah, like, it's, it's just brilliant to see, you know, and as much as it hurt as a Leinster, like, I'm obviously a Leinster supporter, but... Um, I, you know, when I'm doing these things, I obviously have to be able to remove myself and kind of look at the game with a cold enough eye. And I just thought he did stay, he prepared the team so well. I mean, I watched them against Racing, and I said, we, I said last week, Will, you know, that they're, they can play a little bit of rugby, but they're just not in Leinster's league. They were way outplayed Leinster, and they looked really comfortable on the ball, and their forwards were brilliant as well. Uh, you know, at all, you know, offloading, you know, being in the right place in contact, their rucking was really good, I thought. Um, and I also thought that their ball handling, they got the ball out really well to, to the danger areas out from those big, like if, because Leinster, when you're playing against big guys, you do have to condense a little bit to respect them. And that's where I feel like they were really good. They were able to get the ball out of those situations. And Leinster looked look, look short on numbers a lot um, against a team that probably weren't pipped to, um, to, I suppose, you know, play a more expansive game plan or look more dangerous in the outside channels than Leinster. So, such an impressive coach in this play. And as you mentioned, like Dunica Ryan, great to see the skin doing well as well. Big skin. Uh, you know, their lineup, you know, was run very, very well. Mole, you know, still a big threat. So he's done a great job too. And um, I mean, Steen Camp, but and look, he, I think he's working with some great materials in that um in that scrum in fairness. Um, but yeah, the coaching staff, like they're all young in their coaching careers. So it's great to see, you know, a dynamic young coaching staff being supported and and, and delivering. They delivered, it was brilliant to see. So um, much as it hurts from a, as I said, from a Leinster perspective, I can really appreciate it, and, and I was really happy for them. Yeah, Keane, just to circle back to Leinster before we finish up, you know, you, you kind of alluded to it, I think, in your first answer about the, you know, the damage this result could potentially do, or the manner of which you know it came about. Considering that, you know, I know we've talked at length about the mistakes that were made or very various areas they could have improved, but they they only conceded a try to lose the Champions Cup final on the last play of the game. So that 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 is sickening, no matter what way you dice it up, but. Like, what does it mean for this collection of players who form the bulk of the Irish team to now have lost, you know, maybe four years in a row and four big games in Europe? You know, they, they haven't won a Six Nations title since 2018 either. There's been some big World Cup defeats along the way as well. Like, is there a danger that this could kind of feed into, a, you know, maybe some sort of air of negativity when they get back to a big game? What do you think? I would worry that it could because... It goes back to my very first point that I what I made. Like Stuart Lancaster is one of the smartest coaches in the game. We all know that, and obviously Leo Cullen is unbelievable as well at keeping everything together. Like 
they had 13 months to to change things to you know get the better of a team who beat them like Leo Cullen described last year's um the, the semi-final defeat as haunting and like he's a guy who use, who uses his words really carefully and like for him to describe the last year's game as haunting god I don't know what word he's going to use to describe this final and point is and I include myself in this 100% believed that, you know, the improvements that they'd made in the game plan, which is obviously all based around speed, was going to be good enough to, to, to take on the bigger packs. And really, it wasn't because they couldn't get it going. So they went back to the drawing board last year. They revised what they were doing. They came up with a brilliant game plan. They're going to have to do it now again. But like, where is it going to come from? Like, how are you going to change it? Like I said, they're bringing in two players, but... I wouldn't say either of them are ready-made kind of guys who you would guarantee. They're not like a kind of a Brad Thorne and like, you know, or Rocky Elmson who's going to come in and really, really shake it up. And I wonder over the last couple of years, I'm all for promoting the Irish guys, but could they have gotten in a more of an experienced kind of guy who's been there, done that? Basically a Will Skelton is what I'm talking about, but they don't obviously grow on trees, but I think they're kind of missing. I think they're missing something. If I'm if I'm being honest, you look at the, the Leinster teams that obviously Luke was on, and they all had like real grizzled kind of experienced guys. Like even you think back to Scott Fardy in Bilbao, um, and I wonder are they missing a bit of that? Um, as much as like you know you want to see homegrown talent produce, so um, I would yeah I would worry that there, it could seep into the mentality. I mean. They, you would still imagine they'll win the URC and they could come up against a big South African team, you know, but that would, would be in the RDS if they were, if that was to come to pass. So I don't think winning another URC Pro 14 is going to ease the pain of losing another Champions Cup because Johnny Sexton said it before the game and he said it afterwards. The barometer for success in Leinster is the Champions Cup, and we can't get away from that. So there's a massive tour coming down the line to New Zealand in the summer. And like Luke said, you know, they're in a bit of a transition period, the All Blacks as well. But on home soil, they're bloody tough to beat. But I mean, come when we're out getting looking really far the line now, but come the World Cup next year when you're playing South Africa in a pool stage game. Like what's going to change between now and then that Ireland are going to be able to cope with the power and physicality of the Springboks. And then you're looking towards uh, a, a potential quarterfinal, which is either going to be against the All Blacks or France. So um, I'd say Andy Farrell and his coaching staff are, you know, sitting on more uncomfortably than they were this time last week um, after the loss, if I'm being honest. Yeah, like what's your perspective on kind of the potential fallout or, or, or kind of lasting damage that, that could be done? Um, I don't think it's time to panic on it. I think um, they played badly. They, they played badly. They didn't defend well. Um, and I think they're a better team than they showed. Um, and I think they need to they need to rethink on some things. Uh, I think the bench is a good point that, that was brought up today. I think they need to have a think about that against some of the bigger teams and whether they can stop a team that's getting momentum against them. They don't look like they're able to do that at the moment. Um, and that, that could be an area because I think they have the bodies to do it. Um, you know, Leinster in a rude health, you know, I, I do agree with Keen on that. Like, are we, are they really bringing in like a superstar, like an Easton to see or a Rocky Elston, I don't, or a Brad Thorne, uh, or even a Nathan Hines. Um, are they bringing in those guys? Um, they don't sound like they are to me. And I think that, you know, other if, if I'm bringing in those people, I, I'm kind of saying, well, like, why would I not just stick with the talent that I have, the local talent? Like, there's some serious up-and-comers there. Uh, and I don't think Leinster are going to automatically be shifting to... Be, like, they, they're, they're not... 
the, the game plan they were that they were playing, I think, is good enough to do it. I just didn't think they executed it very well. Um, and I think that's probably what'll hurt them is that they didn't show up in the, on, on the on the big day. Um, but I don't think it, it it requires a wholesale rethink. I think it's, there's only a few small things that they need to tweak. Um, I think they're back next year, and I think they win it next year. There you go. In it, well, it, it's in Dublin, and they're bloody tough to beat in Dublin. So, like that is. Going but they're going to gonna be... have to go away. They're going to have to have a tough day. Like they have not had a tough day at the office. That was their first tough day at the office with a team that were ready for them, that had an edge on them in certain departments, like a clear edge in terms of size and physicality. Um, and they didn't do. They didn't cope with it well. It was a shock to the system, I think. Um, and that happens. No, that can't happen. And you need to be able to deal with that. But I think next year they come back and they win it. Um, that drives them on. I think they rethink maybe one or two small things. And they look, I think that game plan is certainly good enough uh, if they believe in it um, to beat the big teams. And I didn't think they did a lot of those things on, on the weekend. So that's what'll hurt, I think. Um, you know, we covered that. I think some of the kick into touch, I don't always agree with it. Um, but there's a certain level of belief and uh, that, that comes with that. And it can be very disheartening for the opposition if you do get tries. And they didn't do those things. So, um, It'll hurt. It'll hurt bad. Um, and I think they'll they'll congratulate. You know, the, the La Rochelle were certainly the better team on the day. They can have no they can have no complaints about that. Um, but um, doesn't require now's not the time to panic. They need to go win that league and um, you know have a think about it over the summer. You know that hurt will drive them on. I think to a big performance next year using the same game plan, but I think virtually the same people. I don't think Jason Jenkins Jenkins gets in that team, um, even when everyone you know when everyone's fit. If I'm being perfectly honest, and I don't know why they got him. It's crazy stuff considering the local talent they have. Just my tuppence. <laughs> on that note, Leinster won't have that much time to dust themselves down. They have to play Glasgow this weekend, the URC quarterfinals. And as it was mentioned there, the next year's final is in Dublin. So who knows? Leinster could be back there but for the meantime Luke Keane thanks so much for joining me and that's all we have time for this week on the Left Wing Podcast we'll be back next week with another show reviewing all the URC quarterfinal action but for now thanks so much for listening and goodbye This is an Irish independent podcast